0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel. This is Stacey Galino, your host, and I'm so excited to be invited to be back with you again, once again. It's a beautiful, beautiful time. Always a pleasure and an honor to be with you in heart and in spirit, Daughters of the Most High God. I'm so happy to welcome to the show today my co-host, the beautiful, lovely, articulate, humble, handmaid Erin Franco. Good morning.
1: Good morning. So happy to be here.
0: We should say good afternoon. I'm a little confused, you know, when you can't see out the window. (laughs) You get confused. Beautiful to have you here, Erin. And, you know, we have a really, really special guest. And this guest is particularly special to me. (laughs) Just part of my DNA, part of my heart is, in fact, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Olivia Galino, and I do want to bring my sweetheart on with us now. Olivia, howdy. Hi, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy that you were so virtuous and courageous and agreed to come on with us today because we do have a topic um, that is, I think, of so deep importance. And then the topic is, in general, singled, call to marriage, and living. Living, not just waiting but truly living and waiting on God's will for you. And so I thank you for your um, and, and in anticipation of the frankness of the, uh, the conversation today. And what a gift to have two young women who, I may say, who are very, very much alike in their femininity, in their demeanor, in their piety in their love of the Lord, and in their generation. You're both from the same generation, but you're a little bit separated in, in sen- the sense that Aaron is a little bit ahead of you, Olivia. She is now married mm-hmm. to her St. Joseph, and she has three beautiful children, open to life, living a fully, fully beautiful Catholic life. And I know that that is something that that your heart prays for as well. So I am looking forward to this conversation, Erin. I know you have a list of questions for or Olivia, that I know will touch hearts, listeners today.
1: I love the topic for today because I think it's something that every every Catholic man and woman who are, feels called to marriage but is not married yet for whatever reason really needs to hear. And it's um, it's something I wrote a blog post back um, a while back about just the idea that your life does not start once you walk down the aisle. You are not just spending years or months or whatever it is waiting until you meet your St. Joseph and walk down the aisle. And um, just the idea that really for me, when I was reflecting on it, I feel like my happily ever after started whenever I confidently surrendered to where God put me and to his plan for me, whatever that was. And I just let him start working on my life from there. And for me, that happened to be in college, really when I had kind of a conversion of my faith. Um, But... But just that idea of happily ever after, not starting in that kind of classic sense that our culture tells us, but really whenever you let God come into your life. And so I wanted to ask Olivia today, as a beautiful and single, and really, guys, she is beautiful.
0: <laughs> I can attest to <laughs> she that. She and her mama
1: are just standing next to each other. But um, as a single young Catholic woman, what are your thoughts on um, on being single and waiting and living and and where are you right now maybe you can introduce yourself sure um well i am stacy's
2: daughter
0: um <laughs> but you do have a name it's Olivia <laughs> That's, you know which means grace and i love that yes, yes um
2: well you gave it to me
0: um <laughs> i'm currently
2: 21 i'm a senior at the university of dallas um just finishing up there um as to your question though, I think that what you're saying is is really important and it, it hits right on the head that um there's this this fairy tale image of, you know, you get married and then your life starts. But there's so much of life that is not it, life doesn't fit in that neat little box, you know. Mm-hmm. And um and I think that the best thing that you can do for yourself and for, you know, a potential marriage is to be a fully developed and spiritually speaking most importantly, fully developed person um, a person who knows God and who loves God and if you can bring that to a marriage then all your marriage would be all the better for it Um, but Mm -hmm. if you kind of live as a shell waiting for this one you know opportunity this one person um, not to say that you shouldn't wait in other ways because those ways are very important Mm -hmm. but um, to kind of shelter yourself I think would be detrimental to any kind of the fruit that your relationship might bear in
1: the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think that our culture definitely it is puts pressure on us to feel like we've got to get married, we've got to to move on and get our even our Catholic culture a little bit. We've got to find our vocation. <laughs> we've got to go on seminary visits. We've got to join a singles group or whatever. How have you really trained your emotions to the truth, to keep yourself just letting God keep you in peace about where you are right now in your life?
2: Yeah, it is hard. It's hard because you have a lot of influences. Like there's from society telling you that, you know, you need a perfect relationship to, to be happy. Um, and then you have even well-meaning people who know that you're you know almost 22 and they're starting to ask you where your fella is. And, um, you know, they mean well, but it's, it's pressure nonetheless. And so, and it's easy to get kind of anxious about it, anxious about maybe I'm not doing all the right things. Maybe I'm I'm behind, you know, um, in the sense that there's some kind of deadline that I'm working yeah, towards. Something wrong with me, right? Um, and I think, and that's a struggle I think for most, if not all, uh, young women, especially young Catholic women. And I mean, the only advice that I really have uh, for that is, or how I found peace was just learning that. God loves me so much more than I could ever even fathom, and that's that has to be enough for me. I can't live my life waiting for, you know, the love of a single man um, to, you know, quote unquote, complete me, because it doesn't exist. Um, if anything, I love God, and that's my primary vocation, my primary, you know, end in life is to love God, and. if and when I get married, that love will be a reflection of the love that God has for me and the love that I have for God. And so it's really, I have to, I I try to put it, whenever I get stressed, I try to put it in that that perspective that I'm really, I'm living my life towards God. And if that's all I do in my life, if I end up never getting married, then it'll be okay. It won't be, you know, Mm -hmm. what I had foreseen for my life, but it'll be all right.
1: Yeah. You are such a solid young woman. I'm just so impressed with her. I'm it's trying incredible. not to cry. I know her <laughs> mom. I, could, I didn't think
0: I could love my daughter more, but I'm I'm yeah. falling more and more in love with her as we see it So and wonderful. And, yeah. You, um,
1: I, I really want to pursue a little bit that idea of our primary vocation. That's, it's kind of a term that I heard, I guess, from the writings of John Paul II, that we, of course, you have a vocation to marriage or to religious life or consecrated life, but uh, we all have a primary vocation to share the good news really to bloom where we're planted and be that fragrance of Christ for everyone around us. And that's something that I know I tell my husband a lot, um, going to work cause he has such a big heart for ministry. I tell him just being a good godly man in your workplace in at the health club, whatever you do in your life that brings, you know, plant seeds and brings more souls to God than you will ever know probably. So I don't know if that's something Olivia that has, um, that you've really um, brought into yourself to, to also train yourself to truth in. But I think that's so important to remember our primary vocation.
2: Yeah. And that's, that was really like the turning point for me because I spent a lot of years, you know, thinking something's got to be wrong with me. I don't, I don't know what it is, so I can try to work on it. But if I can't identify what it is, I can't work on it. And so it was just this back and forth of, you know, I'd, I'd think I was fine, and then I'd end up being like, no, I'm not. I really don't know what I'm doing, and I'm really just anxious about this whole thing. And it just it turned around for me, and I mean, you know, it's all every day's a, a step, but it turned around for me when I realized that I, my secondary vocation in life is, I believe, to be married and to be a mother. But my primary vocation, as it is for everyone, you know, man, woman, and child, is to love, mm-hmm. and to love as God loves us. And so, I mean, you even see in scripture that marriage is a reflection of that love. It's an imitation of the self-sacrificial love that Christ displayed for us on the cross. And so that's what we're imitating. But it's not just confined to marriage. Um, We need to live that love every day. Like St. Teresa of Lisieux said, we have to love in the little things. Mm -hmm. And so once I realized that, that I could love everyone, I could love every day, um, even in just the way that I live my life. It really helped me to have more meaning and more more of a sense of purpose um, because then I wasn't sitting by idle, you know, just waiting or thinking that something was wrong with me. I have a purpose, and we all do. We have an inherent purpose to love and to be in community with other people. And if I'm fulfilling that, then I'm not doing anything wrong, you know. As long as I'm trying, then then I'm doing what I need to be doing.
0: But doesn't the culture tell us, and I wonder if some of those messages might have from the culture, Olivia might have influenced you in those earlier years. We, you're not worthy. You're never good enough. You know the different messages that objectify us as women—that we're objects to be desired—and and and it it really, I think, stunts in a lot of ways our our relationship with Christ. I mean, was mm-hmm. that? Do you think that had any influence in in your earlier times when you were pondering these things? Um, a little bit,
2: yeah. Um, because you look at these. You know, celebrity magazines, even if you don't read them, you see them because they're everywhere. Um, and you see these, quote-unquote, perfect relationships, and you're, you you become a little envious of them because, I mean, they see, they're all shiny and in print, but in reality, you know, they're probably quite the opposite. Um, and so I think that we, just as we're envious of physical forms, you know, we're envious of the way other people look and of the way other people carry themselves, we can also be envious of emotional forms, of the way that they... Um, have like given themselves over to someone else Um, and I think that it just I mean there's no right answer I don't have all the answers obviously but um, I think that you just have to keep it in perspective and realize that you can't compare yourself to other people because everyone is living their own journey everyone's traveling their own path and so to compare myself to someone else who seems to have the perfect life or the perfect marriage um, it just doesn't, it won't bear any fruit in my own life. All it will do is, is, is break down you know, my fruit bearing ability, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'll just become stagnant and, and that's not, then I won't be able to love anyone, myself, other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just love this girl. This awesome. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had another question for you. So where, I guess if you were interested in you know, meeting new people or, you know, meeting potential guys that, you know, God might have for you to date, because he definitely could have more than one, one man for you to date, right? Um, not in every case, I married my first boyfriend, (laughs) but I know people who had three or four wonderful relationships before they end up meeting their husband or their wife. But anyway, so where are good, I guess, good places to look, to look and where are maybe not so much good places to look?
2: Right. Um. Well, I'd say that um, for me, it's a little tricky because I go to um, a very Catholic university. <laughs> I go to University of Dallas. And so um, you're kind of surrounded by very holy people um, and not in a you know holier than that kind of way, just genuinely holy. They live their lives. They're fun. Because if they're, fun they're there,
1: they are usually Catholic. Right. It's,
2: I mean, yeah. about 80 percent of people of the population is Catholic and, and it's just genuinely good people. And so, you know, if you meet a guy on campus that he's Catholic and he's a good guy. So um, that's a little, I guess it's a little bit of a different situation and I know that that'll mm-hmm. end very soon. But I'd say that you have to kind of look to look to where, just like in your own life and in your own choices and when you're discerning, you, you need to look to at where fruit is born. Um, so mm-hmm. I as for places to stay away from, the obvious like bars and clubs, I don't think that, I, I'm sure there have been many you know, virtuous marriages that have come from those situations. (laughs) But I would say that the majority, probably not, because um, I would say that you wouldn't really be looking in the right places. But as far as some of the right places, I mean, I'm no expert, but I'd say that the people that you see going to daily mass, um, the people that you see um, among your own group of friends, I think that being friends with a person first Mm -hmm. is a great way to begin any kind of fruitful relationship. Um so among your own group of friends um um among like-minded people so similar interests. Yeah. Um I don't think there's a right answer. I just think that you have to look to where your heart is drawn towards and and yes, your heart can lead you astray, but it can also help to steer you in the right direction if you're unsure because God speaks to you in your heart. So
0: well, speaking of fruit, we're having a most fruitful and beautiful conversation today with on here uh, faith and good counsel with stacy galino and my co-host today aaron franco and our very special guest daughter after my own heart olivia galino so we're going to take a little break and we're going to continue our conversation about being single knowing that you're called to marriage and truly living in the interim until god sends you your saint joseph so we'll be back in just a moment faith and good counsel Evangel in the Musical is coming home to Louisiana. This special performance of Evangel in the Musical will be held on March 15th at 8 p.m. in the LSU Union Theater. Not only will you be deeply touched by this magnificent production, but all proceeds from the play will support the work of Catholic Community Radio and Woman's New Life Center. Tickets are on sale at the LSU box office. Call 225-578-5128 or log on to unionweb.lsu.edu. Hope to see you there. back, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've been listening, I know you have been enjoying the conversation that we're having here today. I'm Stacy Galino, your host, and I'm here with Erin Franco, the humble handmaid, who is doing a fabulous job, I might say, of speaking with my daughter, who is our special guest today, Olivia Galino. So welcome back, ladies.
1: Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> That's
0: right. We are Southern girls, in case you haven't picked up on that. So <laughs> Southern by the grace of God. So, well, I tell you what, Erin, I know you have got so many good questions here left. So we'll just we'll just jump right back in.
1: Absolutely. So one thing that we didn't touch on in, in the first part of the show was um, being single and considering religious life. And so, Olivia, we wanted to ask you: uh, Have you ever considered religious life, and how you know what is a good attitude of the heart to have as a single woman regarding that?
2: Um, I have. I have considered it <clears throat> briefly. Um. And it's one of those things where people will just ask you out of the blue and you, you get kind of startled and you just want to ask them, like, have you been told something? Do you know something
0: that I don't know? Um, cause, I, I, mean, think, I think people see your piety, Olivia, and it's a natural question. You know? And you've been asked this, I know, your whole life. Well, so. I mean,
2: as for, as for myself, it is something that I have considered. Um, I wouldn't say that I've actively discerned it just because I've always felt this pull to be a mother and to be a wife. Um, well, if we want to put it in the right order to be a wife and a mother. Um, so I, I just have, I, I do have immense respect for the people that are called to religious life. I have many friends and, um, some family that are considering it and it's just an incredible journey to go on. Um, and I have, so, and I have immense respect for the people who, who are discerning that. Um, I feel like if I, if I felt that I was being genuinely called to religious life and I, and I think God's given me indications that that's not my, my call in life. I, I I'm not gonna lie, it would it would be difficult um for me. But I would just hope and I would pray that God would give me that grace that I needed to surrender to His will because ultimately it's His will that I'm that I'm looking for in my life. And however that manifests, you know, marriage, single life, religious life, that's what I want and because that's what's gonna make me truly happy. Um So it would be hard. It would be really hard having to give up the things that I've always wanted, you know, to be a wife and to be a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that if God wants it, he'll give you the grace to do it.
1: Yeah, just that idea that whatever God has for you is the best, is what you were created for, and Mm -hmm. you will blossom in that, and you will be happier than anything you could come up with yourself, your dreams, you know. Um, So moving on a little bit, wanted to ask you what they have the terms I guess for dating these days they have dating and then they have the more traditional term of of courting Mm -hmm. so what do those terms mean to you how do you have one or both in your vocabulary and what do you think about them
2: um I don't really use the term courting um, except when I watch you know BBC dramas and things like that (laughs) but um (laughs) I I think that it's an important distinction um courting seems like such a serious word um mm-hmm. seems really stuffy but I think that that's what we really want um that's the kind of dating relationship that we're looking for um I think we switch to the term dating because it kind of takes away the seriousness of courting but it leaves you with the fun and the companionship um but courting is really I think the the more ideal premarital um kind of relationship because your intentions are up front you there's a, it's just mired in respect for each other. Um, and you, you're you beginning with the end in mind. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that's missing from the modern dating culture is um, there's so much of casual dating and friends with benefits and all of these other kinds of dating relationships that um, are really more just, you know, friendship plus, if you will. Um, and there's not there's really a, a focus. a lot of marriages like that. Right. You know, that right. leads to
0: a lot of broken hearts.
2: Yeah. Right. And so, I mean... It's not to say that every first date you go on, you're immediately imagining yourself in a in a wedding dress marrying the guy across the table from you. We got to
1: hold ourselves back a little right, sometimes right. as <laughs> women, right? You do have
2: to guard your heart, yeah. but um, but I think you also have to be very aware of what your intentions are, and mm-hmm. what the other person's intentions are. Yeah. Not to say, you know, end of the night on first date. So what do you think about marriage? But just to be, no, just to know that that is their end goal, and you're to be aware that that's what, why you're both, you know, in the, in the relationship that you're in is to figure out, are we the right person for each other? Mm-hmm. And if not, then, then we'll go our separate ways. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that's an, the courting and dating distinction is really important and we need to like bring back the meaning that yeah. courting So put has. like
1: the heart of what it means to court mm-hmm. in back into dating, you right. know? and the
0: dignity dignity, of each person who is created in the image and likeness of God and holding to that in the chastity and the purity and the virtue that undergirds courtship I think versus dating which has a much more in my mind in in this older um, mindset a more secular connotation where there might be some improprieties that would be expected pretty Mm -hmm. early on and so forth and that that's that is, mm-hmm. that is an assault on our dignity. Yeah. So um, I think you articulated that so beautifully.
1: Um, and they just had a quote come to mind that I remember before I met my husband, Michael, I had read, and I loved it. And it was um, that you should have your heart so deep in your God that your future spouse has to... Go to God to find you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, that beautiful. That needs
0: to be up on our website. I know on our beautiful. Facebook page.
1: <laughs> so um, I had another kind of fun question to you, Olivia. So I know when I was like in high school and before that, probably they have this fad that a lot of girls do that we make a big long list <laughs> of all of the things that we need to look for in our future husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be he has to like Disney World, he has to <laughs> be tall he has to be Catholic, you know, but, but if you had, you know, a list in your head, what would be maybe your top three things that you would be looking for?
2: Right. Um, I mean, I won't lie, I'm I'm six foot tall, so tall has usually been something that comes to mind in a, you know, in a non-serious context for that. But um, I can't really say that I've ever made like a, a physical, tangible list. Um, but as for the whole list-making idea... I think that it can, like most things, it can be either good or bad, depending on how mm-hmm. you're doing it and mm-hmm. um, the mindset that you have when you do it. Um, I think it could be a good thing, a good opportunity to kind of isolate those attributes in a potential spouse that are most important to you. Um, so things like, is he faithful to you? Is he honest? Um, is he responsible? Um, even things like a good sense of humor, like that that goes a long way, that shows you who he is as a person, um, the way he handle, handles crisis situations, you know, those are Good things. Um, I have to for. interject
1: real quick. They sure. had something on Facebook the other day, and it said that before you marry somebody, you should put them in front of a computer with slow internet, and <laughs> then you figure <laughs> out who they really are.
0: Are we still working on our virtue of patience? So are we yeah. even trying? Right? I yes, know. definitely. <laughs>
1: That's a good I one. Know. I love that questions. And yeah, I think lists can be they can be good in some ways and bad in others. You can maybe get a little too specific. Right.
0: I wonder and, just just thinking about a model of manhood i mean when you think of authentic manhood in our culture i mean who comes to mind for you for both of you um well
2: for me it, it would be my dad um
0: i wow <laughs> true
2: i mean when i think of i think of st joseph but um, st joseph is, is kind of blended with glengalino in my mind um Aww. just strong and And responsible, and loving, and kind, Um, and so that's what I'm I'm looking for, um, that kind of man because
0: I know that that's a good man. He does have big shoes to fill, but I know he's out there. (laughs) I know know he's out there (laughs) for both Uh of my beautiful daughters.
1: Um, You know, Stacy, if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you a question too. Okay. as a mother of at least one three twenty something, three twenty something, um, yeah. As a parent, how do you pray for your children, for their vocation, and for their future spouse? What, what, what specific words or saints or prayers have you used?
0: Well, that is that's a very easy question. It starts at conception, it really does. Um, though I was a brand brand pretty brand new Catholic um, when I we first became pregnant for my oldest daughter Amanda. I began praying for that child. I prayed for her, for my children before they were born, that God would bless us with children. Um, but you just pray that they will be, be held in God's will and that they will do God's will, um, that they will love the Lord God with all their heart and mind and soul. And I've been praying in particular, it, which is relevant to the subject that we're talking about today, I've been praying for my children's future beloved spouses since they were born, each one of them. And I've just offered them um, to the Lord. I've consecrated each of my children to the Lord. And I still pray each night, um, you know, that, that God would prepare their hearts. That my children would choose the spouse for them that the Holy Spirit has chosen. Because, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we choose a spouse. Maybe that's not the one. Maybe we missed the signals or maybe we weren't discerning well. or Maybe we did what we wanted to do and we weren't mm-hmm. open and docile to the Holy Spirit whatever the case may be, but there is someone, one person that the Lord has chosen. And so praying for your child, that that child, that beloved child's heart would be prepared, that the the future beloved spouse's heart would be prepared, and that each one will choose whom the Holy Spirit has chosen for them. That is a very specific prayer that I pray each night for each of my children. And I also, I think it's important as Catholics, um, to offer our children if it is if it be his holy will to offer them to god to be a religious to be a priest i did do that i remember very specifically a, a vocations mass as a very young mother of a, my second child who was a son um and feeling this though i didn't understand it again being a new catholic i didn't even know what the word vocation meant but i called from the lord during this homily to be open to allowing your child to become a priest. And so I did offer him to God in that moment. And, um, but I didn't really want to, I have to be Mm -hmm. honest. I did, but I was like, but I really don't want to, but I will God, if that's your call in his heart. And it does look like we're going in that direction. So, you know, um, so just praying the most important thing is praying that your child will do God's will and that there will be the divine protection always surrounding them. Mm -hmm. They
1: had, um, they had a quote, recently that I read that said that if we knew the efficacy of the the tiniest prayer that comes out of our heart and it's echoes across eternity, then we would lay flat on our face in adoration and never move. Mm -hmm. Is that St. John of the cross? Mm -hmm. St. John of the cross. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you know, Ladies, it's such a prayer just to be in in your presence, both of you. I love each of you very dearly. And I know that people have been listening today and have fallen in love with you as well. So much wisdom here from these young women, these 20-something young women sitting here with this 40s-something pushing 50s-something older hopefully wiser lady. It's been such a blessing to be with each of you today. God bless you all. And until we meet again, we send you our love and our greetings and Pox Christie, from each one of us, Stacy, Aaron, and Olivia. See you next time on Faith and Good Counsel. Bye-bye.